everyone, and welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Ethan Wiles, and boy, do we have a special guest for our listeners today. First, let me check in with Ethan, see how he's doing. We got a lot of news going on, but Ethan, how's it been these last few weeks, brother? It's been going good, doing the online class stuff, just like everybody else has been doing. It's tough. Everyone's doing their their best to get through it. But, uh, you know, we get to talk some football today, so let's get rolling with that. Yeah, there's no reason to delay it more. And our guest on the other side of the line is a football guy through and through, a former player turned coach who has seen success at every level of football he's been a part of. This man has had the pleasure to coach the game that he loves for over 20 years. And now we have the pleasure of bringing him to you. Huskies on tap listeners, I am pleased to present to you NIU Offensive Coordinator, Eric Eisness. Eric, how you doing today, Coach? I'm doing great, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. So, you know, football is kind of, it's getting back into the swing of things. But like we talked about before we recorded, it's been a wild year. How was your time away from being on campus while still trying to be, you know, the offensive coordinator, you're the quarterback's coach, you have a lot of duties here at NIU. How were you able to kind of keep your players at bay and then continue to build on the strong recruiting classes that we have for 2021 and 2022. Yeah. You know, we, we really just manage our time well between, you know, the football piece, meaning our current players, and then really spend a lot of time on the recruiting piece. And we were real fortunate in recruiting that because we got the 2020 class signed pretty early or committed early and, and signed in the early signing period, we were able to get a good start on the 21 class so you're continuing to recruit your 20, you know, class of those guys. And then you're working on your 21 group really, really hard. A lot of FaceTime calls, a lot of Zoom type calls uh, with them, with family, those things. And then you're putting football meetings. So we did a lot of Zoom meetings with the whole offense, a lot of Zoom meetings with positional things. And uh, so my technology grew during this COVID time. And, and uh, not that I'm an expert by any means, but I, I definitely got a lot more, you know, out there as far as what, you know, ways to communicate with players, get them information, share film, doing those things, um, built a lot of tests and quizzes for the guys, you know, bank wise, so that when you're, you know, giving them the meeting stuff, what can they retain? What have they done well? And, you know, I think we grew a lot during that time, just, you know, with seeing where guys were at, how you present things, uh, not being able to be in person uh, and yet get the most out of it. Talked a lot of situational football. So really tried to build the football IQ up of the guys. So when they're in situations, you know, how are they going to handle them? Um, whether it be two minutes, four minutes, you know, just all different kinds of things. Why do you use different situations as far as maybe slowing the game down or trying to speed the game up? So you want to make sure they're engaged and you're coaching them and, and continually growing with them and yet also not wasting time, you know, because being, <laughs> being online, those things can get to be kind of long too. I almost think it's kind of unique that it happened over the summer too. And these guys were supposed to be there during summer camp, things like that. They didn't have anything else to do, but football all summer. And I think it almost brought the team closer. It brought everybody else closer because you know, you guys were on these Zoom meetings, all that. I think technology during this entire pandemic has improved communication to an extent. And, and really, I think football and all sports really utilized it well. So to see the unity of this team and the creativity of this team to work hard during this summer really stems from the coaches. And it really will prove when this team hits the field in the regular season. Yeah, I would agree, Ethan. Just the fact of, you know, it being summer and not having classes 
you know, schedules to have to work around. It really gave those guys, you know, uh, a good focus of what to do. And I kind of told them, you know, it's like being a pro football player. All you have to worry about is football right now. So, you know, we can, we can talk and, and get things worked out. The nice thing is not only our returning guys, but our freshmen were able to go at such a slower pace because you really don't have to force things in to get to the practice field. And so I do think that schematically learning the system for younger players, there was a, a little bit of an advantage once the NCAA opened up so we could talk to them too. Yeah, and you talk about the younger players. Ethan and I have been very vocal about how we love how your offense stacks up. The receiver room, too much ammo. The running back room, too much ammo. Quarterbacks, you got three of them that realistically could start. We won't get into that because we know that's game plan. But one thing I will say is they were out there for a couple weeks at a time over, I think it was like towards the, in the middle of August, maybe a little bit more recently, you guys are now, I believe, kind of quarantined because of what's going on on campus. But how did the team and how did your units look in their first practices uh, back on campus? They came back in good shape, first and foremost, which I think is important. And obviously there had to be a lot of creativity for those guys as far as getting out for runs on their own and, and just taking some ownership you know, with those things when they first came back and then coach Juni did an excellent job once they got back. But, you know, the, you could see the football retention from the meeting room coming out, just the job that the guys had done with being more comfortable with the scheme and, and things like that. It, you know, it starts with alignment and assignment. And then if you're confident there, then your abilities can come out. If you're not confident in those areas, then, you know, you're, you're, you're playing less than full speed and, and nobody playing less than full speed is going to be effective. And so I think, you know, just the confidence of how the guys were carrying themselves, how they were executing, playing faster was really, really good to see because, you know, there's definitely some, some worry when they haven't been with you as far as how are they going to take it, but really felt good about it. And it was fun to get them on the field and, and see them doing things. And, and then I just think this with all the uncertainty of stuff, the guys handled it really well and did a great job of just focusing at the task at hand, which was that current rep or that practice or whatever it may be. And just really take an approach that I'm just going to get better today. And whenever this opportunity comes that things open up and we get a play, you know, we're going to be ready to do it. With everything going on at NIU right now, it's been in the news for about a week now that obviously the numbers have gone up. Where is the team at now? Obviously, they haven't been practicing. What have what have you guys been doing to keep their confidence up? You talked a lot about their confidence coming out into practice. What's that like going through this process again? Like you said, the uncertainty. What have you guys been doing to keep that confidence up with the team? Yeah, you know, you, you go back and you start from – really ground zero a little bit and you you get back to teaching the basics again also tonight at, at five o'clock we'll have an all out offensive meeting where we're going through situational football so right now we're talking two minute right and so you know what is what's important to know when you get on the field in two minutes well you need to know the score what do we need do we need a field goal to win the game a field goal to tie you need six points you need seven do you need eight all those things are important. How many timeouts do you have left when you're taking the football field? And then the the process of going through two minute and how does that run? If the, you know, if it's outside of two minutes, and you get out of bounds, the clock doesn't stop. If you're under two minutes and you get out of bounds, the clock stops. So that's important just because you're in two minute drill doesn't mean that the clock stops when you get out of bounds. And so those situations then breaking two minute down, let's say you only need a field goal 
you know, to win the game and, and you, you're running out of timeouts, well, we, we have a, something we call surrender. So if they catch a deep ball, don't wait to get tackled if you're in field goal range. Get to the spot, get down so we can save as much time as possible, hand the ball to the official so either we can run the field goal unit out or we have time to spike or clock the ball to stop it and then get the field goal unit out. So all those scenarios and then you get film you know, that can uh, show situations where either we've done it well in the past or where it's been screwed up. And so then you show those things so that guys can continue to learn from them. So you spend a lot of time on, on the situational part of it. You know, we have a four minute drill, right? You get out there four minute where the game's tied four minute where you're behind four minute where you're ahead by, you know, one or more. And so you get a first down in four minutes, the defense will get in a situation where they want you to score so they can save as much time. Well, our guys know that if we're tied, you know, then they should take the ball all the way down to the five yard line, but then get down so that we can run the remain, you know, we can take a knee three times and then kick a field goal to win the game. If you're ahead by one, now you want to stop outside the 15 yard line so you can still get another first you know, set of downs if they're going to let you score so you can maximize how much time, you, you know, you get off the clock. So when you get into those situations in a game, they've already been through them. So continue to install those things because every Friday or every day before a game, we go through all those scenarios, but you're just going through them so that they can be smart football players and and uh, take as much time off the clock if that's what we want to do or save seconds on the clock if the the situations because you don't want them thinking when they're on the field you want them reacting because they know what know what they're going to do and I think a lot of games are lost because guys didn't know how to act in situations as opposed to one because they knew how to and I think that's the thing as a coach you want to make sure they understand so you don't get out there and at the end then you're trying to cover something that cost you a game or cost you an opportunity to score right before half and you got to put those guys you know, mentally in that situation a, num- a number of times. And then physically, you got to make sure it, generally the physical ones are more of a walkthrough situation because you can't totally get that, you know, situation planned out, you know, in a practice that would perfectly happen. So you try to put them there as much as possible so that they can go out and win the game as opposed to, you know, lose a game. You should definitely be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons because they could use some of your time management prowess. Denver Broncos, same thing. You see it at every level of football where coaches and players don't know situational football and it ends up costing games. It costs people possessions. I've seen it so many times already in this young college season. One thing I wanted to ask you as someone who has such a big part in recruiting here at NIU, what are some qualities that you look for in a player before even making that offer? Here we, we do move slow in our offer process. And I think a lot of that is, is we want to make sure that the person is a good fit. The one thing you don't want to do is make an offer and then have to get out of that offer. And so when we go through, obviously you're going to put the film on and you want to be excited about a player when you see his film. Okay. Once you you see his film, then there's certain things that we want to uh, figure out. One, do they love football? You know, are they a guy that's going to be working on his craft continually or is he somebody that's going to do the bare minimum? You know, and I think that as long as I've been coaching, guys that are willing to do the extra and guys that are motivated to be great tend to predict to be really good players. So you want to find out for their, their love of the game and what is academically, you want to know where they stand. And I think this is important because 
when, you know, obviously you're coming to college to get, get a degree, but if you're a good student, that means you handle your business. And if you can handle your business, then you don't have distractions, you know, outside of football, which because a distraction is going to contribute to a distraction on the football field. Because if you have stress because you're, you know, doing poorly in class, you're going to create stress on the football field because you're going to carry it over. So I think, you know, you want to look at that. I, I really look a lot at, okay, what was their ACT score and their GPA? If you've got a high, high GPA and a low ACT, that means you're a worker. Okay. That means you're going to grind it out. You're going to figure out a way to get it. You hold yourself to a high standard. If you have a really high ACT and a low GPA, that means in my book, you're an underachiever. And so if you're a 25 ACT and you're carrying a 2.2, you're operating way below your potential. And so why is it going to be any different on the football field that you're going to all of a sudden excel that way? So just because you have a lower GPA doesn't mean that you, you can't be a really good football player as long as you know, you're showing the work ethic and the commitment to get your job done you know, that way. So I'm not saying everybody's got to have great grades and, and a super high ACT, but you want to have balance. You want to talk to their coaches and get examples of leadership. You want to get examples of work ethic. You want to get examples of how they handle, you know, success, how they handle failure. Some guys are great when, as long as everything's going good, but as soon as you put them in a tough situation, they crumble. And so those are all things you're trying to answer once you've seen the tape and you've gotten excited about the guy, because you're going to see a lot of good players on film. So you have to kind of figure out, you know, who are the guys that are going to fit, you know, in our room, who are the guys going to fit on our side of the ball and, and how are they going to contribute? Are you, you know, are they guys that are willing to be on special teams? Sometimes the star of the, of the unit doesn't think that they should be on special teams, but you know, you go to the highest level, the NFL, you're going to make it because you're a good special teams player. Um, there's only a few first round picks. Then after that, you know, they've got a small, small roster. So you're going to have to be involved. So, you know, when we go out, it's, it's that, and then, and then build relationships with guys, strong relationships, you know, we have a lot of contact now, like our 2021 commits, we're FaceTiming with them as a staff every two weeks. And then as individuals, we're having weekly contact with our guys. And because we can't bring them on campus, that FaceTime is really important so that you can see body language, you can see, you know, how they're doing. I just, you get that contact. And I think that's really, really important that you build that. And, and what you're trying to do is if you get a power five school, come in on a kid, you've built such a strong relationship that uh, you're able to hang on to that guy. And I think that's really, really important as you move forward, where if you get a commitment and then you just, you know, you don't have a constant communication with them and their family, then it's easier for them to take a different offer or go a different ways. But if you've got high character kids, they take care of their business off the field, then they can just relax and be good football players. All right, coach. So on the topic of recruiting, you know, I follow a lot of our coaches, basically everyone down the line. I pay close attention to what they post because a lot of it nowadays has a lot to do with recruiting. I see a concept that you've been preaching over the last few weeks, maybe a month or so, and it is the sweet six concept. Can you explain to our listeners and future Huskies what this concept is and what it means to the program? Yeah. So for us, we look at the, the six factors that we feel contribute to winning football games and, and being successful on offense. And then based on that, we built a pyramid off those things. And, and these are things that I've used for a lot of times, really got it, you know, from the guys in the NFL a number of years ago when Brian Billick was with the Vikings, actually. But the first thing is zero turnovers. And obviously, if you have the football, then you're in control of the game and it gives you an opportunity to score. And so that is something that we preach in our drills. We preach as far as 
technique, how we carry the football in everything. And when we don't see guys doing it correctly, we want to point that out. Um, we really just want them to understand that, that the ball is the program and it's really the most important piece that without it, we're, we're lost offensively. Then the next thing is, is we call it boom, which is explosive plays. And this is momentum changers. This is things that really can jumpstart your, not just your offense, but jumpstart your team, jumpstart the, the fans, just different things. And for us, we categorize that and it's pretty consistent, you know, throughout football, but a 12 yard or more run and a 16 yard or more pass. And so when we have those, those are momentum changers. We want to have a minimum of 10 of those per game. And those are things that we want to chart and look to see how are we doing, you know, from game to game. And, and, and you want to make sure you have enough things game planned so that you're not just trying to work methodical football. Uh, you, you've got to be able to, you know, interject some energy into, into the game. The next thing for us is, is run the ball. I mean, we call that PTR, pound the rock. I and mean, for us, we want to average 4.5 yards per, you know, called run. So if you have a, a pass play called and it breaks down and, your quarterback breaks for a, you know, a long run. We don't count that in there just like if he gets sacked. Okay. And those are things that, but if it's a called run and we run the football, are we getting, you know, 4.5 yards per carry on those called runs? And then we want 150 violent yards and violent yards for us are after contact is made with the defender, positive yards gained after that. Okay. It's also, after a catch so if a receiver catches the ball at five and gets 12 now you got 17 so we would say that's a plus 12 as far as you know violent yards and those are the hidden yards that you know typically great players are going to get so you want to preach that you want to teach that you know how do they get upfield? do they puncture the defense or they stand up right when they run those are all things that you work on the next thing for us would be scoring in the red zone which we call that payday so when you get to, you know, that point, we want to score a hundred percent of the time and we want at least 66% of those to be touchdowns. And so, you know, obviously as an offense, you want to take it out of the field goal kicker's hands whenever possible, but that has shown that if you can score 66% of the time touchdowns, you're going to be in the, in the top tier as far as, you know, FBS football. And I think that's really important. DOD for us is department of defense and that is protect the quarterback. Now this one is something that, you know, a lot gets put on the offensive line, but it really is 11 guys doing their job. And it starts with those five guys up front, but the quarterback, we have him check protections and change protections. The running back obviously has a piece in the protection. And then the wide receivers, we will adjust routes based on blitz or no blitz. And so does everybody do their job? It all has a hand in them. And we want one sack or less every 20 pass attempts. And I think that's the same thing just nationally as you look at the average of pass attempts to sacks and, and stuff like that. It's, it's a big deal. Our O-line takes it personal if they even just give up a hit, too. So you throw the ball, you get it out, and there's a hit on the quarterback. You know, they give themselves a negative as far as those things. But I think that's really, really important. And then money downs. This is something that really is important when you look at it. So on first down, we want to be able to stay in system at least 60% of the time. And in system means you've gained at least four yards or more offensively because then at second down and six or less, you can call any play, right? At second down and 10, you're thinking a whole lot different than you are at second down and six. And so that would be for us, that would be a money down. And then third down is a huge critical down because obviously you want to win the third down. And 
third and short is a lot easier to convert than third and long. And so that gets back to winning first down plays to get you to second and manageable, which leads to third and short as opposed to, you know, being in third and medium or third and long in those situations because you didn't win, you know, the first down deal. So we talk those situations to our guys a lot and they understand that any of our offensive players, you can say, Hey, give me a sweet six and they can go down and do it because we need to emphasize it. They need to understand it. They need to understand the why behind it as well. And I think that's just something that you get back to what we were talking about early situational football. Well, how do you convert 45% or better on third down? You do it because you get yourself in third and manageable and you're not sitting in third and long all the time. So as a quarterback, you're back to throw the ball. You throw the check down route and you get five or six versus throwing the deep ball that was a foul ball. You missed it. It doesn't mean you have to throw it all the way down the field. It means get a completion, get a chunk. So for us, second and long, we say get half. All right. We don't say get the first down. We say get half so that it puts you into a good situation, you know, there. So sometimes you got a shot play called and they cover it, hit the check down, you know, and I, and that gets into playing smart football. And so the sweet six is something we built that our guys can tangibly hang on to and, you know, put a focus in from week to week. We can look at what, you know, did we do great in four of the six? Did we do great in all six? What do we have to improve on from week to week? Did we have, you know, poor ball security? Why did we have it? Well, was it a tip ball? Was it, or was it just poor, you know, football fundamentals? And so those are things that we try to put out there. So in recruiting, you want to let guys understand, you know, that, hey, we put an emphasis on detail. We put an emphasis on things, you know, they're going to have an impact in the game. And it gives you something really good to talk to them about when you start breaking down the game of football. How can we be effective in a, as an offense? And, and then how do we grade ourselves as far as what we're doing? Yeah, and I got to say, Rome wasn't built in a day. And for an offense, the way you just described it, if that's successful, and usually it is, that defense is going to hate themselves, and that laser pointer is going to be going off like crazy in the film room on Tuesday. No, I just wanted to take that and everything that you incorporate with that sweet six and kind of get your opinion or get your three goals for when this team does hit the football field. There's a lot that goes into it with the sweet six. To be honest with you, I was mesmerized listening to all of it. So now I got to ask you to break that down into three goals for your offense when they do hit the football field, I love whether that. it be the fall or the spring. I think the biggest thing is, especially if we pick it up in the fall, right? Two things as you watch college games or even pro games, and you, you know, you've talked about clock mismanagement and those things, and it, it's very glaring in some of those areas. I think the things that we've been preaching as we come back, okay, if we're playing in the fall or if we're playing in spring, one, we have to take care of the football, okay? That's got to be the number one thing that we talk about right from the get-go because whether we play in the fall or play in the spring, it's going to be a shortened season, okay? And so, you know, how do we take care of the football because, you, you know, you miss some reps as far as, ball security circuits and some of those things and in the end it's like I tell guys it's you taking ownership that you're going to do it the right way okay and so that'll be a big deal and then playing clean football okay and playing clean football leads to a lot of those other things and that comes down to alignment assignment okay and I know that wasn't you know mentioned in the sweet six but ball security alignment assignment those are the things that we're talking to our guys a lot about because if we're not on the football field, how we do it? Because you're not going to get explosive plays if you don't align correctly and do your assignment. You're just not. You're not going to be able to pound the rock and get your four and a half yards. Look at, at uh, Barkley, right? Like the Giants say they're building around him, and obviously he's out now. But you look at Barkley, 
he's one of the best backs in the NFL. And yet, if you don't block for him, it doesn't matter what he can do, right? And he so, doesn't leave the station. That, exactly. You know, and so great back, it starts up front. And so when you get into alignment assignment and knowing what you're supposed to do, those things, as we get started, that's how you're going to play clean football. You know, you're not going to jump off sides. You're, you're going to know who you're supposed to block. You're going to use great technique. You're not going to hold, you know, and, and all those things. So I think as we come back, you as, as small of a piece that you can give them to get started that you can put visually, you know, rate and, and visually see. So are we taking care of the football? Are we aligning correctly? And are we doing our assignment right? And it sounds, you know, real simple, but yet then you got moving parts you know, as you put things out there. So I think that that's what our focus has been, Ethan, you know, and our message to the guys. And then with the vision on the sweet six of how does that stuff pan out? How does it play out, you know, within those things, but really ball security alignment assignment, it's got to start there and then it will build. So if we're playing in the fall, it will build for that. If we come back, we're playing in the spring, it will build for that. So if we're playing in the spring, we're still going to get fall ball, you know, our 15 practices, we're going to gauge that stuff during that time as far as how is it panning out, you know, and those things. But if you look at money downs and you look at payday and you look at the boom plays, all those things are a direct correlation to aligning correctly and doing your assignment. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, assignment based football, everybody do your job, take care of your one of one. And, you know, you don't have to worry about anybody else because at the end of the day, if you're doing your one of one and, you know, the domino effect and all 11 are doing that, then you should have yourself a pretty good football team. One thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, you have a really talented offensive group from a skilled player perspective, receivers, running backs, maybe a surprise in the quarterback room. Who are three players that either exceeded expectations when you saw them back on the other side of the pandemic, or you expect to exceed expectations in the upcoming season, whether that be in the spring or the fall? One guy that comes to mind right now is Dennis Robinson, you know, and Dennis has to get it done on game day, but he's healthy this year, had some injuries last year, battled through some things, but really never got a rhythm. Have seen a big jump out of him as far as where he's at. The running back room, we had some really talented players there. And right now, I would say Aaron Collins is really a guy that's that's really doing some really, really good things. You know, and there's some deep guys behind him as well that uh, that room is very young. But, but very, very talented, you know, that you've got your, your two guys that are, I would say, steady and, and consistent when that would be Crawford and Cole Tucker and guys that, you know, I, I think you can go out there any day of the week and know what you're going to get out of those guys. Not necessarily surprise guys, but I think those guys allow other people to, to do their part. And then, you know, the other guy that was, was very flashy last year at times was Tyrese Ritchie. We've seen a lot more consistency out of out of Reese, it, it just as far as his approach, his day to day operation, and what he's doing. And I think you're going to see a, an elevated play out of him as well. There's other guys that are really doing a good job, but I, you know, just to pick three out, I would say Dennis, you know, Aaron Collins, and and then just a more consistent play out of Tyrese. We love to hear that. And I actually have had the pleasure of having class with Tyrese and Dennis, so I definitely love when they do great things on the field both extremely talented. And then again, like you said, you know, so many different players with different skill sets in both rooms. You have a couple of the possession receivers, some of the more slot or speedy guys. And then in the running back room, you got a little bit of everything, a little bit of sugar and spice and everything that's nice. But 
as far as, as this team goes, I, we, we are so excited to see that offense get put to work. But one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, because uh, I know we're getting, you know, towards the end of today, is just explain to us, you know, a little bit of your coaching career, how you ended up here at NIU and a couple of your stops that you had along the way, because I know you were very successful before getting here as well. Yeah, you know, first of all, my, my dad was a coach. And so growing up, I was around it, you know, really my whole life. And that's why I got into coaching is just, you know, being around it and living it. And it's either going to click with you or it's not, you know, that way I've been fortunate to be around some really, really good football coaches in my time. You know, one of my stops was at Ferris state. It was very short, but a very good stop for me. I had some really good coaches that I was able to work with there, which Jones was there as one of the coaches, Tim Banks, who's at Penn State right now, Matt Limegrower, who is at Minnesota and Penn State. Prior to this, Jay Sobel, who's the D coordinator now at Wyoming, you know, really around some really good young coaches. And, and it was a lot of fun and, and learned a lot and did a lot of things. And you know, I was at South Dakota State a couple of different times. Mike Daly was a head coach that first hired me there. Really successful coach that kind of got their program turned around. And then John Stiglmeyer, who's their coach now. I spent nine previous years before coming here, there. And South Dakota State at the time had gone to the national playoffs eight out of eight years. Only two teams in the country had done that during that time. Had a lot of really talented football players play for us offensively and, and we're able to do some really really good things and you know really the guys the players that we had and the success they had really put us a little bit on the map or, or put me I guess on the radar for coach Hammock uh, we had Zach Center tailback had three 2,000 yard rushing seasons you know and then went on and, and just ended a six-year career with the Detroit Lions Dallas Goddard who's a tight end with the Philadelphia Eagles having a really good career for himself at, at an early age we had you know a four-time All-American wide receiver and as those guys got graded and and stuff for the next level a lot of people started looking at what we were doing and, and those things and and that really started the I guess putting coach Hammock and I together even though we weren't really together you know in that regard and <laughs> yeah. uh you know it's it's like I tell you know people will ask you know how'd you get to where you're at and I said you know what you get to where you're at by doing a great job where you're at and wherever your feet are if you do a great job there somebody's going to take notice and I think that's the thing that too many people get so worried about you know how do I get to this place or that place and they don't worry about the job they're doing and I think that's the biggest thing that I've tried to do wherever I've been is just you know make it as good as we can be and we've been able to set a lot of records and at different schools and do a lot of different things and you know part of it is you just be where you're supposed to be and uh, you know I believe that uh, God put me here for a reason and, and we're going to get it done we're going to do great things and does that mean I'll end my career here or what I don't know I don't worry about that I really don't you know, I just worry about doing good where I'm at and try to make a difference with the players that I'm around and build relationships there because we spend a lot of time together. And so you want to be able to get along and, and it's fun to see guys grow. You know, I've been coaching for over 25 years now and, you know, the amount of guys that have grown up and gotten married and had kids and it's crazy, but I've actually recruited kids of guys I've coached, which is kind of scary in, in some re regards, but in some of the guys I played with, I've recruited their kids and it's kind of a cool deal, but you know, as, as guys have gone through and, and grow in life, it's, it's just, that's a huge, you know, rewarding part of coaching. It's just the, the maturation of young men and, and, and those things. Yeah. You love the, 
what they do on the field, but you're really proud of them once they step away from the game and, you know, what they become, husbands, fathers, great leaders, whatever it may be. It's just really, really gratifying to see that stuff happen. Really inspiring stuff, Coach. We definitely love to hear that. Appreciate it. Yeah, I got to second that with Brandon. I mean, just wise words, nothing but wise words coming from you all episode. It'll lead me into my final question. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, we've, we've mentioned fall football. We knew spring football is probably going to be the answer, but no matter where kickoff lands, it could be January, it could be next month. What is the thing you're most excited about for this football team when they hit the field? Just the opportunity. You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, when, you, when, when something's taken away from you, you really learn how precious or important or what an opportunity you have in front of you. Just really excited for these guys to get out and play the game that they love. And, you know, I think a lot of guys, especially as you get later on in your career, you get to be a junior, senior, you start to realize that your opportunities are really limited. And really for these seniors to get an opportunity to, you know, to play the game they love and, and have it taken away for a while, it, it's a big deal. And so just really excited for the guys to get on the field, get the opportunity to play football. And, and you know, it's the game that obviously they love. And, and do think that you're going to see guys come out and play at a high level because of what was taken away from them for a, for a period of time. Yeah, and I got to ask you, this is a question that we ask every single guest that we've had on the show. I'm going to up to Andy. You're in an electric chair. You cannot leave this chair. You get one meal before you leave DeKalb. Where are you going for that meal and what is it? You know, I really like Elwood's as far as the steakhouse, you know, and, and going there. I, I love steak, but I, I do love seafood and they offer both. And so for me, it would be to go there. I would probably get a, a combo deal with some seafood and, and a steak off that. But uh, very quality food and, and uh, sit down, relax and, and uh, have a good meal there. I absolutely love Elwoods. And I have a funny Elwood story before we wrap up. I went there after homecoming, like a homecoming game. Uh, two years ago and I didn't really like I just saw Elwood I didn't see it was a steakhouse and I'm just like there in a full husky get up and it's like a nice fancy sit down and I'm like oh no oh no but it is very good food and like you said a great place to have you know family dinner take you know your wife your girlfriend whoever it's a great spot one final request I guess because you know it is the age of social media and, and everybody is on Twitter and, and Instagram where can recruits listeners and, and other people associated with Husky Nation find you at on the internet that would be at coach Eidsness like I said earlier in the episode you know very inspirational stuff from you I really liked the schematic football talk that you had and then on top of that being able to relate that to life not only just being a football coach but a leader of young men and someone who helps you know an 18 year old kid who shows up on campus it's his first experience not living at home kind of just needs direction, needs a little bit of discipline and the success that you've had over your career, putting, you know, guys like Dallas Goddard in the NFL, being around them, growing them through that process to go from an FCS school to Zach Zenner had a great career. Dallas Goddard is still in the process of having a great career. And now you have the opportunity here in your first division one job at NIU in a school that has, you know, a history of putting players in the NFL. I think you have the keys to a Ferrari with the offense that you have. And we are so happy to have you here. And, and again, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and taking the time out of your busy schedule to join with us. 
hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys, the support you give us and, and those things, because I think there's a lot of great stories here and a lot of things that, that come out of it and just appreciate the coverage. Hey, we appreciate bringing it to you. Is there one final wrap-up statement that you have for Husky Nation before we let you go? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is we're excited to get on the field and, and it's going to be a fun football season whenever it is. And we're excited to to represent NIU and all the alumni out there. Coach, thank you. I just wanted to personally thank you as well for coming on. Great talking with you. I love talking football. I still need to wrap my head around that sweet six. If you got a graphic for me, I, like I said, I, I can do shapes, but the math kind of throws me off there. But I'll put it on Twitter today, the whole sweet six. <laughs> I love it. Let's I go. love it. Thank you. I thank you, Coach, for coming on, though. I, we're looking forward to the season whenever we do get that. And like Brandon said, this offense is going to be explosive this season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, again, we could not thank you enough. This was Huskies on Tap presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. Today we were joined by NIU offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Eric Eisenis. He got into a little bit of how his quarantine was, his path, and how he ended up at NIU, some of the different stops that he took on the way, and just how excited he is to have the group that he has currently and to get them back out on the field, whether that'll be in the fall or in the spring. But we don't have the news for that. That meeting will take place on Friday, and we will cover it like a glove again this was huskies on tap presented to you by the on tap sportsnet stay tuned for future episodes and future interviews like this and go huskies yeah i got drinks of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic i got drinks of living lavish in the kitchen whipping magic we got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with it. They took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jumping in hard.